Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 114 of TLDR Podcast. Um, I'm back once again in the hosting chair. Um, I- I'm enjoying this a lot, actually, and I'm going to open up today's episode with a little bit of an interesting, wacky fat, uh, wacky story that happened in sports. On the problem is, is this did happen a week from today, but I didn't really know about this story until the next day, so I'm I'm counting it. Um, let's just say a, a, a couple at the Blue Jays Cubs game scored an in the park home run in the 500 section, um, in, in Blue Jay stadium. Uh, I believe it's called the, um, the Rogers center Rogers arena, uh, uh, field. Uh, I could be wrong. It could be uh, Rogers center. You're right. It is Rogers center. <laughs> um, yeah, a couple stunned the crowd by engaging what can otherwise be, um, described as a sexual act in their section in section 500 and it is on full on uh you know on the i don't know if it was on the jumbotron but it definitely was on um <laughs> but it de- definitely was well, someone was recording it and it is definitely like there's nobody around um quite quite an interesting um video and sh- kind of like very shocking um but hey i mean they scored a home run so that's what you're supposed to do in baseball just in a very very different way than you otherwise would have Tyler. I don't even know if that's part of the rule book. I mean, I guess it's still, it still counts as a score, but they did get kicked out, I believe. So, um, you know, it, I don't know what to, I, what, what are your thoughts on that? Just as a baseball fan? I mean, you, I like the way how you said it uh, an inside the park home run. Did you come up with that yourself? I kind of did. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I did. Definitely. I mean, shit. I didn't know they get so crazy up there in Canada. Eh? I mean, uh, I guess that's what's what they do. I, 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 I think they're just so used to hockey and baseball is very, very different. Um, you know, not, not quite as constant, uh, action. So I think they just took the lull in action and made their own action themselves, I guess. I don't know, but that's a pretty yeah. crazy, it's pretty crazy. I mean, it, it, it is kind of crazy. I mean, the blue Jays kind of have been all up and down this season. And I guess this is just a story that kind of, you know, in, in, in what otherwise could be considered a very tumultuous month for the blue Jays. It ended with quite a bang, if you if you get what I uh, if you get my pun there. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, James, how you doing, bud? I'm good, dude. I'm uh, as always. I'm pretty tired. Just work is getting on my ass. It's been really hot recently, and I had three soccer games in the period of like three days where temperature was like 106. So it was hot, and I went on the field a bunch. I got my workout in. Let me tell you, I earned my money those two, three days and now I'm recovering. Getting older sucks. Not a fan. Yeah, I know you, you athletic trainers have it so fucking tough. Um, and it is very hot. We're, we're just, we're just running out the last couple of days of our, um, of our heat wave here. And I've gotten so many notifications that we are in like dangerous, uh, you know, electrical generation capacity issue, uh, you know, supply, so don't be surprised if this podcast shuts down in the middle of it because we ran out of power. Um, but what we will be, re- we'll be right back. I'm sure. But don't, don't be surprised if that does occur. Alex, how are you doing up there? I know you took a trip down to SoCal um, where it was just as hot as you normally are used to. So you didn't really escape anything. You actually probably, it might, it may have even been hotter this time, but how are you doing? Um, it was technically a little cooler, but you know, anything above a hundred is just hot at that point. Um, yeah, went to the Dodgers Padres game Sunday night with Tyler and Ashley, and then Jess showed up at like the seventh inning and then left in the eighth inning. So I don't know what the fuck Jess was doing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, but yeah, it was too hot to sit in the seats for too long. So we wandered around, but uh, I'm, I'm good. You know, just we're, I think tomorrow's like the next like hottest day. And it's supposed to be like 108 and then it will start cooling down. So uh, I'm, I'm ready for it to get a little cooler here. Yeah. Uh, I think it's going to get a little cooler towards the end of the week. Um, hopefully by Friday, uh, Tyler, um, I know I kind of opened up with you, but I didn't really get to, we didn't get to see how you're doing. Um, I know you're busy with work as well. How's the first couple of weeks of uh, of work been treating you this season? Like I said, not not too bad. Uh, I think I had a conversation with one of you guys about how just this year's a little bit different because I know what to expect. It's a shitty hill to climb. At least I know it's shady this time, and so it's kind of it, it's definitely a different mindset. Uh, so I definitely feel mentally I'm a lot in a much better place than I was last year at this time. Uh, so that's a good that's a good thing. Um, uh, but yeah, I think we're been good. Uh, water polo's doing great. I uh, started out their season one and zero, so we're off to a good start. Got another game on Thursday, so hopefully we can keep the ball rolling. Uh, but yeah, everything's good. Um, can't 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 complain too much. I think overall, um, doing a good job. So good, great to hear, James. <clears throat> you raised your hand on this. You don't need to raise your hand, um, but you. But I really appreciate your uh, your your politeness. What's going on, man? Uh, I just wanted to say real fast to everybody out there, happy belated birthday to our boy Eric. I know he's not been on the podcast for a while. His birthday was on September 2nd. And the boys, minus Alex, which is a bummer. Alex, I wish you were there. Made it out to a bowling alley and played did some bowling with Eric. And Eric got buckled. <laughs> and I think that might be an understatement. Eric was fucked up. Oh, yeah. We all should have seen it. It was a good time. Uh, but yeah, happy belated birthday, Eric. Yeah, yeah happy birthday, Eric. Um, absolutely. Big 3-0. Big 3-0. Um, yeah, that, 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 was a, that was a great night. Um, we're going to we're going to start this up um, after this break. We're going to we're going to dive right into the basketball season with Alex. I think we only have three more weeks of uh, previews and we're down to the middle group of the West when we come back. And we're back. We're talking basketball. We're, we're revving up the uh, the season previews here once again. Talking about the middle group of teams in the West. Um, the NBA season kicks off. Uh, kick, almost said kicks off. Um, tips off um, on October 18th. Um, so we we have a little bit of time, but you know I know we have another sport that we're going to be previewing, which Alex will be taking my spot. I presume. Alex, take us away with the middle group of the West. Yeah, so we're moving on to seeds 10 through 6 in the West. But of course, because just how life works sometimes, the teams we talked about last week, then of course, they one of them makes a huge trade. So we're going to talk about it real quick. Um, so Donovan Mitchell finally does get traded from the Jazz. Uh, so they're, they're tanking. That's just what they're doing, and that's fine. Um, so he gets traded to the Cleveland Cavaliers, which I feel like was a surprise. I think everyone kind of thought he was going to the Knicks. Nope, he's going to the Cavs. Uh, the Jazz get back Laurie Markinen, uh, Colin Sexton, three, uh, their rookie winger, who I can't say his name, so I'm not even going to try it again. Uh, three unprotected first-round picks, and then two more pick swaps, so five picks. Um, so pretty much the Jazz and the Thunder are just going to be picking every single team, every single player in the draft for the next, like, eight years. Um, just real quick on this, we talked last week about how the Cavs were not really a contender because they didn't have that one star they needed in the NBA. Donovan Mitchell, I feel like is like a fringe star. Like he's maybe like a top 20, 25 overall player. 
Um, James, well, I mean, just your thoughts on this, where, what does it do for the Cavs? I mean, obviously the jazz are going in the other direction. So who really cares about them right now, but thoughts on this trade and, uh, it was specifically for the Cavs. I mean, the Cavs made a good deal here. They got a fringe superstar, but they also kept a lot of their core. Like Garland is still there. The Mobiles are still there. And those are guys that you want to build upon and having Darius Garland along with Donovan Mitchell out there. That's going to be a different duo, I think, than people expect. Because when, when you think of Darius Garland, you think of a three-point shooter. And when you think of um, Donovan Mitchell, you think of an all-around scorer. Who's going to bring up the ball and what's going to happen after that? And let's not forget, you still have Evan Mobley, who's going to be producing at a high level. So what, what happens now is that the Cavs actually make get three or four more wins out of this. Their team got better because they got Spider Mitchell. And, I mean, honestly, good for them. That's what they need to yeah, I mean, <clears throat> they're definitely in a in a win now mode with their young guys. You know, Donovan Mitchell is still also pretty young. Um, they definitely, I think they definitely got better. Hopefully, it works out for them. I don't know. You know, obviously, the top part of the East is still pretty tough. But uh, Tyler, just kind of same question. Just your thoughts on Mitchell to the Cavs? Yeah, definitely a surprise. Um, I loved Stephen A.'s reaction to it. Um, it's just how of a depressed Knicks fan he is. Uh, if you're the Knicks, you definitely got to be very upset. I think that was a, an obvious move for them to make. They didn't make it. Oh, well, you snooze, you lose. Cavaliers get the deal done. Uh, definitely think it makes the Cavaliers a, a pretty good bet to be a, a playoff team for sure with this move. Um, in terms of like coming out of the East, I still don't think it's quite enough. Um, but definitely a, a solid playoff team. Um, and hopefully it just keeps, you know, they can keep them around and they keep building around their, that young core. And I think the Cavs are certainly on a trajectory upward for the next few years. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely, that's a good point. Cause obviously they're really young and a lot of those upper echelon East teams three years from now, we have no idea what they could be. So that, that is a really good point. Cause Brooklyn could be dismantled Philly, who knows, you know, Milwaukee is kind of the, like Milwaukee and the heat are kind of the ones that might still be around. So that's a really good point, Tyler. Uh, trade in just yeah, real quick, kind of same thing. Your thoughts on Mitchell, or if you have thoughts on the Jazz, feel free to no, talk. No, about the, I guess the, the Jazz one's kind of interesting considering they're they had the longest streak of making the playoffs um in, in the West. Um, um so that that was kind of interesting. Uh, and why they're kind of blowing that up. But it seems like when you know they can't get past the first or second rounds, it it just kind of is time to to blow it up. Um in terms of the Cavs. I actually like it. It's, you know, some would argue that it's, that it's a bit, you know, it's a lot to give up, but this, this is a young core. Right. And I think Tyler kind of alluded to that. All these guys, all all, their main core is under the age of 26 and it's going to, and, you know, and um, you know, they have the opportunity to, to hopefully make it to a championship, win a championship. um, And you can kind of continue to have that future success. It's not like, it's not like you're in complete win now mode. You're in, let's start to pivot towards the, the, relatively relative immediate future so watch out for them in the next couple years yeah i mean they're they're definitely you know i'd still say they're like a year or two away from being like a real real big boy contender but this is the good move you know we'll have to see how well everything gels kind of like james mentioned um in that backcourt how the defense works but good for you good for you cleveland like um you know after lebron left and then left again you know you kind of go through these weird stages without him so hopefully you can succeed without LeBron kind of for the first time ever but um so yeah done with them moving on to teams 10 through 6 in the west those mid teams 
starting with the 10th seed, the San Antonio Spurs. Kind of weird to see them in this position after 20 years of just dominance. Eventually things fade, I guess, even in San Antonio. Um, really the most important part is obviously we talked about this with the Hawks a couple weeks ago, but Deontay Murray is out in uh, San Antonio. Um, they got a bunch of other, a bunch of other rookies in, um, you know, we're not really going to go over them right now. I think kind of, you know, now this is probably one of the only teams where the face of their franchise is their head coach. Um, and that's Greg Popovich who's 73 years old. Um, so, you know, and it kind of seems like at this point, he's sort of deciding year by year, if he wants to come back and continue coaching. Um, obviously there's a lot of travel. 73. That's a lot, you know, he's winning his coach of all time. He's been in the NBA forever. Um, so I guess my question for the Spurs, we think they're going to be worse. You know, they kind of don't feel like a playoff team like they were, you know, technically, well, not technically, but whatever this uh, previous year. So is this sort of like a lost year for Popovich and the Spurs? And then should he just kind of see what talent he has? And then they do have a lot of cap space coming into the season next year and just sort of see what kind of free agents they could possibly bring in i mean san antonio is not really one of those markets where big free agents sign um unless you know tim duncan and tony parker and manager nobly are there from 2004 but um i guess tyler we'll start with you um thoughts on the spurs popovich kind of what they're doing um you know moving possibly moving forward yeah not a whole lot of expectations for the spurs this season i feel like um in terms of you know popovich it's crazy. He's still doing it. He's still doing a great job. I think he's going to be, he's going to go down as one of the greatest NBA head coaches ever. Um, so it's, it's crazy. I, you know, I think if he, at the end of the season, if he feels like there's a window there and a, you know, a year or two for him to like seriously contend for a title, I guess he keep going, but I don't know. It just feels like the Spurs are still a long ways away from that. Um, it's been a while since they've been kind of a serious title contender. Um, you know, it's, it's crazy, man, doing being 73 years old. I mean, it coaching, especially in that level, takes a lot of time commitment, a lot of energy. The fact that he's still doing it at that age alone is really impressive. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if he'll be the coach of a Spurs team that is a true title contender anytime soon. I just feel like, you know, maybe a year or two left of Popovich is all we're going to get. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess if he just wants to pad, kind of pad stats and just, you know, add another 25 wins, if that to his all, you know, record already, and then hope they can do a quick turnaround or if he sees, or, you know, there's something the front office is going like, look, this is our say three-year plan to get back to the top. Um, we'll see, you know, as far as I know, he's still going to be around for this year, but um, yeah, unfortunately for the Spurs, which, you know, I'm not that sad about because they were a thorn in the Lakers side for all those years. Um, They'll be fine, but uh, we're, you know, I'm, we're, I'm trying not to ask the boys each about every team, but Traden or James, you guys have thoughts on the Spurs, anything you want to add? I mean, I, I agree with Tyler. There's, there's, they're not a team that gets free agents. They're a team that has homegrown players that makes them better. And that's exactly what they're doing for the next 25 years. Honestly, they're stockpiling their picks and they're going to develop them over time. And Popovich has maybe one or two more years left until his health can't handle it anymore. And it's sad because I really wanted to see him come out on top, but that's him being with the Spurs team. That's not going to happen. Sorry, Bob. It's over. Yeah. I mean, maybe he's just hoping it kind of comes back quicker and then he can come out on top because it does kind of suck to then, you know, say he just 
coaches for this year and they go, they win 20, 25 games and then retire like that, unless you're going to do your Kobe thing and drop 60 in your last game. And then, but your team only won like 12 games all season. Um, good luck, Pop. I hope, I hope it goes well. Um, moving on to Eric's Clippers. Uh, they finished 42 and 40 last year. Tons of injuries. You know, if they were healthy, we'd be talking about them in a couple of weeks instead of in this kind of range. Um, really, the only like notable guy that left was Rodney Hood. Um, and kind of the biggest addition to them is, well, health of both Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and a question mark in John Wall. At one point, John Wall was one of the most exciting and best players in the NBA. He's hasn't really played in like three years at this point. Um, so James, you're a fake Clippers fan. Uh, what, <laughs> what is, wrong. what is John wall at this stage of his career? What can he bring to this Clippers team that, you know, as I just mentioned with health should be competing, you know, for this kind of upper echelon of uh, West teams. He is a dude that can score 20 plus points a game, but do nothing else defensively throw him out the window there's no point man he's going to be there he's literally a dummy standing there and he's not going to play any defense whatsoever he can dribble the ball up the court a couple times but that come on that that's Kawhi Leonard's job so he's the kind of dude that'll be sitting there spot up three and drive it every once in a while to put up 20 points is he gonna get 20 on this team probably not he'll probably get 15 but adding 15 points from your point guard spot when you're an auxiliary piece to Kawhi Leonard and Paul George is a good piece. This team had what 40, you said 42 games won? 40, 42 wins, yeah. 42 wins with Kawhi Leonard not stepping one second on the court, with Paul George missing a ton of games because of his elbow. Like this is this is a team that's going to make strides based off what they were last year and what they are this year because of health. I'm actually very excited for this team as a fake Clippers fan. This is going to be a good team this year. Uh, Traden, any thoughts on the the Clippers, John Wall? I mean, obviously with them getting healthy, that that brings yeah. a lot to it. But um, no, the, the health alone is going to p- be putting them back into you know the the contending st- um, you know state of the NBA. <clears throat> um, as for John Wall, I th- I you know I think we have to just kind of commemorate him for dealing with uh, some of the mental health uh, stuff that he's kind of come out and talked about. Um, I kind of talked about it at the end of last uh, podcast, ironically. So. Um, you know, you, you got to think that, you know, he's, he's kind of gone through all of that and he's kind of come out and out, you know, been a little bit, you know, showed a little bit of vulnerability. And I think that now he's going to be able to kind of focus on the game. Is he going to make crack the roster or at least the starting roster? Probably not. But, um, you know, I think, I, I do think it's whatever. I don't know. One of the other guys, I think it's the other guys, um, a spot to lose only because the guys only played like 40 games. Like, how do you, how do you put trust in that? Um, so I, but he he's definitely going to have an opportunity, and I think that that alone is going to push this whole team to kind of elevate them themselves and 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 push forward. And who knows, maybe he will take that spot. Yeah, um, they do still have Reggie Jackson on the roster, so there's and he played on that team last year. So yeah, trade he John Wall at his peak is obviously a lot better player than Reggie Jackson is. Unfortunately for John Wall, we don't really know what he is. Um, he obviously did not want to play on that Houston team the last couple of years. Um, and yeah, he, um, you know, for those who don't know, he pretty much came out and said like he had contemplated or was going through some sort of suicidal thoughts during rehabilitation and, you know, everything else that he was going through. So hopefully, you know, with the move, 
or, you know, with mental help or whatever it may be, hopefully John Wall is just doing better in general. So um, I'm excited to see him play. He was one of the most exciting players in the NBA at one point, one of the fastest players in the NBA. Um, and we'll just have to see, see what he can bring. And maybe on a contending team, that will change everything. Um, moving on to the Marlins Pelicans, who finished with the worst record, but because they won uh, one of these play-in games, they're at a different part in the state. Whatever, it doesn't fucking matter. The Pelicans <laughs> are 36 and 46. Um, kind of the same thing. They did not really do a whole bunch in this offseason, except they did sign Zion to his extension. It's kind of the same thing. Um, you know, he came out of college, obviously the number one overall pick injured before he even stepped on the court and then balled out in that, you know, partial season and then did not play a lump bunch. He still looks like he's got a bunch of bounce. He still looks like a thick boy. Uh, so trader, we're going to go right back to you. New Orleans, they've got talent for sure. Um, Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum, you know, if Zion is healthy, just what, what do the Pelicans do with Zion or do they need to, you know, know back to backs um, you know, obviously they're trusting him if they're signing him to an extension. Um, but just your thoughts on Zion and where the Pelicans are kind of going. Yeah, it's it, it's very interesting because, you know, when when Zion's healthy, I mean, the, the guy, the guy is an absolute stud. I mean, I think if I'm not mistaken, he he held the held a record in terms of in terms of how many points scored based on his uh, shooting percentage. That's unbelievable when he is healthy. That's the problem. Right. Um, I, I don't know what to think. You, you, you have to think that he's, that he's focused on making sure that he can maintain um, a spot in the roster and, and, you know, in terms of his health, because we saw what this team can do without him. Um, this team kind of found an identity. It's, you know, throughout the, down the stretch last season, um, you know, they, they outlasted the Clippers. Yeah. They, they faced the, the Suns in the first, uh, in the first true round, but I mean, what are you, what are you going to do there? But nonetheless, I mean, they, they, they made, magic happen without him and you have to you have to think when this guy we've, we've seen what this guy can do he's he's stellar if, if he can find a way to stay healthy and i'm not sure if that means load management i'm a i'm a huge not load management load management management guy i fucking hate it but that's mostly because you know it's not that i don't understand it it's just i'm used to a i'm, I'm used to a game that you play a lot less than than you know these star basketball players do so i, I do appreciate that side of it if if it if this team can actually win games without him on the you know out him starting every single night, we might have we might see a team that is actually quite interesting down the stretch. I mean, we, like I said, we saw what they can do down the stretch last season. Um, this guy this guy is an absolute stud when when he's healthy. The question is 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 he going to stay healthy? And I I, I have to think that they're going to do anything they can to make sure that that he gets there. I, I don't know what he's done in the offseason personally. Maybe you guys can can um, speak to that. But you said he still looks pretty big. So, um, you know, I think Chet Holmgren could, could learn a thing or two from uh, from Zion, honestly. Yeah, if maybe if they could, like, just kind of merge bodies a little bit and Zion could lose a little bit and Chet could kind of be <laughs> The greatest it's basketball great. player of all time. Yeah, they could be great. <laughs> the two of them would together be incredible. I don't know. Get some Space Jam situation going on in there. But he's reportedly healthy. He's only played 85 combined gains over his first three seasons, uh, which is barely over a full season. So that's that's not great. They say he's healthy. Um, Tyler James, thoughts on the Pelicans, thoughts on Zion. You know, where do you see them with or without him if, he, if you think he's hurt or will be hurt? It's... 
I don't understand Zion's skill set because he is he will sell tickets, but the NBA game is sh- like shading away from his Dwight Howard esque early two thousands big man game that Zion plays. Like the game right now is small ball run, stretch fours, shoot the three, kick out. Zion doesn't do any of that. Zion is big. He's thick, according to Alex. He's not going to get up and down the floor at a fast pace. He's there to dunk the ball and be an absolute monster. And, yeah, that will sell tickets, but it's not going to help you win more games. They really should – I think, honestly, that signing him to this mega million deal, like this rookie extension, was a mistake. He's not going to stay all through the entire thing. His body can't handle it. The way he plays, the way how explosive he is, his body can't handle it. They, sh- they should just – Built this team around Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum, those young guys, and gone from there. Build the identity that they built last year. Build on that instead of now interjecting a Zion Williamson who is going to disrupt the flow of the offense. So I have a question, and this is just pure – this isn't like trying to get you. This is actually a learning experience for me. What makes Giannis different? Same player, no? Giannis is way faster. Giannis plays defense on the perimeter. He has lateral quickness. Zion does not. Zion is a gargoyle, essentially. Put him in the post, stand there, that's him. Giannis goes out to the three-point line and guards you. Zion can't do that. And Giannis stays healthy. Zion can't do that. That is true. There's also 40 pounds difference. Zion is, right, according to the Google, 6'6", 284. And Giannis is like 243 with an extra... 284? 284 for Zion, 244. My boy, 284 is not built to jump up and dunk the ball. How are you landing with 284 pounds of force multiplied with gravity? You're not lasting. It ain't happening. Yeah. And for being 6'6", like in the NBA, that's pretty middle ground. That's Kobe size. Yeah, that's Kobe, but 100 pounds more. 100 pounds heavier. Yeah. Um, Okay. Over under. Boys, over under. 50 and a half games played for Zion. Under. Absolutely under. Under. Zion's a bust. I might say 25 games, actually. Fuck him. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to just take the over just to be different. I'm going <laughs> to take the over just for pure. I want to see him play. Yeah. I want him to turn into like Greg Oden or somebody like that. Like, I hope, I hope it goes well. Because when he plays, it's exciting. But, yeah, he kind of plays like Shaq. But instead of being 7-1, he's 6-6. <laughs> good luck with that good luck pelicans i believe in you guys um okay you don't i don't really know uh they have been a trash franchise since they've moved like 12 times so it doesn't matter um speaking of trash people a rod owns the minnesota timberwolves boom great transition nailed it oh, yeah, it all comes together baby uh they finished 46 and 36 last year they had a big offseason. Um, so out is Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, we talked about, um, Greg Monroe, who nobody cares. Um, but in Kyle Anderson, the slowest man in the NBA, um, Rudy Gobert, which is really the biggest point, um, and a bunch of other people, but whatever, it doesn't matter. <laughs> really, Rudy Gobert is the you know the main point of the Minnesota Timberwolves offseason. He now pairs up with uh, with Carl Anthony Towns, and they still have D'Lo, and they still have Anthony Edwards. The Minnesota Timberwolves, they feel like they're coming. I think, you know, part of Gobert and Mitchell's problems in uh, Utah was Gobert was not an offensive force at all. 
you know, there was all these rumors that um, Donovan didn't want to pass to him, blah, blah, blah. Well, here in Minnesota, I just said three guys who are going to be more of the offensive focal point of the Timberwolves than Rudy Gobert will be anyway. So with that being said, Gobert is, a, you know, a multiple time defensive player of the year award winner, Ty Ty, A-Rod's Timberwolves. Where, <laughs> where do you think they're going? What do you think Gobert is going to bring at this point in his career? We just saw him being uh, guarded by Dennis Schroeder in the uh, Euro leagues, and he couldn't score on Dennis Schroeder, who's like a foot shorter than he is. So uh, Gobert, how is he going to fit also with Carl Anthony Towns? Yeah, I I feel like a lot of people are putting high expectations on this move in general. I don't know if it's really going to work out. I think the Timberwolves are going to make some noise. They're going to definitely be better than they were last year, but uh, it seems like a lot of people are making this to mean that the Timberwolves are going to be in like the upper echelon in the Western conference. And I just don't think that's going to happen. It might, uh, but I, I don't know. I don't think Gobert is this, is this crazy great basketball player. That a lot of people are, are telling him to be, I think, you know, I think he's like a fringe guy too, in terms of being like the upper elite of the NBA um, I think he's a great, great ball player. I don't think he's going to turn this franchise around. I don't think he's the boost that is going to put them over the, like I said, the top four in that, in that Western conference. I think they will be a playoff team. I think they'll make some noise, but I don't think it's going to be much more than that. Okay. Do the Timberwolves finish with a better record than the Lakers? <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't have to say yes on that. Okay. <laughs> uh, James, you made a face when Tyler was talking, which frankly happens frequently all but the time. <laughs> what, what are what are your thoughts i mean i agree with tyler when he's like yeah he's not a, he's not a superstar and he's gobert's not a superstar and he's not gobert is a defensive presence that's what he is a superstar would be somebody who can play offense and defense and gobert frankly can't play offense but what was he brought to timberwolves to do to play post defense because carl anthony towns is essentially a stretch for he has skills of a point guard, but a seven foot. So they put him in the post, but he's not physical enough to play post defense. Gobert is defensive player of the year like four times. Like that's why he's brought to this team. He's not brought to score. And if you remember the games last year, last season, they would frankly score a hundred points a lot. And that is a good indicator of offensive success is if you score a hundred points, when you have three guys who can just, who are a walking bucket, like Ant is literally a walking bucket to throw from anywhere and make that shot offense is not the issue it's defense if you can solidify solidify the paint everything else works outside of that you're looking at a good defensive team limit the opposing shots and you score 115 points a night you're looking pretty damn good are they going to be a top four team in the west i don't think so but they will definitely be a better team than they were last season but that's the question isn't it can carl anthony towns guard the perimeter now He's, he's never done. Through. He's never done it very well before, and he's this is the first time he's ever going to do it for as much as he's gonna. That's he's the gonna, problem. And instead of guarding a five, he's guarding four. So it's like he's going to be matching up with people who are a little bit smaller than he is, and with that length, with the Giannis size length, he's going to be better on the perimeter. You like to hope, but he hasn't been known for his defense. That's the problem: is that he's completely different. He's he's changing his entire game, even though he hasn't been very good defensively anyway. So maybe that doesn't matter. So it's really hard to judge him off his defensive play if. He grew up a point guard and has good lateral quickness, but has been asked to defend massive, massive human beings. Yeah, I mean, you can't really ask him to defend like Anthony Davis or Giannis or something because he's just going to get worked. But and to be fair, a lot of Cat's time in Minnesota, the players around him were shit. 
Like it was kind of him and nobody else. This is the best team he's ever had. Um, I see what I see what you're saying though, trade. And like he's gonna have to, he's he can't just kind of if like, it works, it's gonna be like this team yeah. is like deadly, dude. <laughs> he can't like try to hide a little bit. Like, well, now he can hide a little more because all you know, the defensive side will run through Gobert, but and he yeah, he'll have to he'll have to figure it out. And maybe he'll just be even a, a poorer defender, but it might not matter in this yeah. Anyway, it could just not matter. Offensively, they're going to be deadly. There's no problem. There's yeah, no problem. Honestly, if some if a, a four drives past Carl uh, Anthony Towns, you have Gobert sitting right there. That's a great point. Yeah. So even if even if he if Cat kind of fails his assignment, he's still got the Stifle Towers, the stupidest fucking nickname in the world, <laughs> uh, just sitting there. So yeah, that's a good point. I mean, they finished, um, you know, technically as the seven seed last year. Obviously, we expect Utah to be a lot worse. Um, all of you said, you know, they, you don't think they're going to crack the top four. In the Western Conference, a, a 51 season would have gotten them the five seed. They won 46 last year. Does this move push them over the 50 win total? Which is, we, I think, we, you know, what we kind of discussed last, last week is sort of like, you're a good team. Like, you're a decently good, potentially elite team if you get to 50. Does this move and, you know, where they're at another year with Ant, D'Lo, Cat, are they over 50? Ty Ty, we'll start with you. I'll say, yeah, I'll, I, I think they'll squeak just 50, 50 to 51. Okay. Trading? Yeah, I'll say it too. Congratulations, A-Rod. <laughs> <laughs> James? Yeah, I say 53. Okay. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, we can, we're getting, I think we're definitely going to see some regression um in win totals from some of these teams in front of them whether it's just uh a different regular season strategy from a team in arizona we can talk about later um moving on to the denver nuggets uh they have the two-time reigning mvp um and they have a whole nothing to show for it in the playoffs they are getting back jamal murray who didn't play at all last year and michael porter jr who played nine games, but pretty much played. That doesn't mean anything at this point. Um, out for them. Boogie Cousins, obviously very important to their team. Uh, Will Barton, Jamichael Green, Monte Morris, Austin Rivers. Um, in Bruce Brown, KCP, uh, DeAndre Jordan, which doesn't really matter. A bunch of other rookies, whatever. Um, with, I mean, we saw this in, in the bubble, and you guys can, we can say whatever about the bubble, but the Denver Nuggets made it to the Western Conference Final. Jamal Murray was a baller in that series, in those series. And that was kind of the last time we really saw him healthy, um, really saw him play. Obviously, Jokic is now back-to-back um, MVP, Michael Porter Jr. So what what can we really expect from Jamal Murray? What can he bring to this team? Um, you know, and what, and, you know, what will this do for the Nuggets overall? Uh, James. I think we can't expect much from Jamal Murray. I think it's going to be a really long, like trying to get better period and trying to figure out the game again. Because we're out for a year, that's huge. And when the last time you played was in the bubble, that's huge. You're having those two factors put together, and you're a lot of people are expecting him to be the same guy that was he was in the bubble because that's when you last saw him. But the probability of that happening is really low. An ACL tear is what six to ten months recovery time, and he's taken a long time which tells you something is not going right. And when something is not going right, confidence goes down. And when confidence goes down, you don't play well. Does he remember how to play like he used to? Probably, but his body's not going to respond that quickly anymore. On top of that, you have to figure out how to play with um, 
the MVP again. Like, it's going to be different. Jokic is good. He got a lot better these last two years without Jamal Murray in place. So you're going to have to figure out how you want to be the ball handler for Jokic's team, because that's who it is. It's Jokic's team. Uh, honestly, I it, I don't know what to expect from this team at all. Case, or, um, what's his face? Michael Porter Jr. is going to be back, which is great, because he was explosive. But he hasn't been able to stay healthy at all. He, he, he missed his entire rookie season. He played a couple of seasons ago after that, and then he missed all but nine games again last season. DeAndre Jordan's a non-factor. KCP is a spark off the bench. But you're missing a lot of the guys that made this team who it was. The role players like Austin Rivers, they're gone now. Monte Morris is gone now. These are players that made this team good because they knew their roles and they stuck to it. Now you're bringing in this new group of people who have to play with Jamal Murray, who hasn't played in two years, and Jokic. It's going to be different. This team is going to go down. Yeah, I don't want to say this, but Jamal Murray might be this generation's Derrick Rose. I literally just thought of that as you were talking. That makes me really depressed because watching Jamal Murray is really fun and watching Derrick Rose is really fun. And then sometimes you have knee injuries and you're just never quite the same. Uh, Tyler, KCP, we're going to talk about him for just like half a second. Um, Obviously, former Laker, you know him well. You know, Jokic has been, we've talked about this on this podcast, has been known as one of, or if not the best Uh, passing big man of all time if KCP can be the elite shooter he has been but he comes you know he gets real hot and cold you know how much can that potentially help offset um, issues with Jamal Murray like uh, James was just mentioning yeah it's a I think it's a lot of pressure to put on KCP but I mean I feel like in the time that I've kind of seen him play as you mentioned Alex he's kind of hot and cold so I think he's just not that consistent guy that you can count on um, he certainly adds good depth and he adds that option there for the Nuggets. And yeah, I mean, I, I kind of agree with James. Like seeing a fully healthy Nuggets team can be elite. I think they can be a, a top three team in the in the conference. That's a big if. I think there's a lot of big ifs on this team and 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 what if um uh, if guys stay healthy, if guys can stay consistent. Um so this is a team where I could I could say going either way. I think even I think at worst they're gonna be like, you know, bottom eight or you know the bottom echelon of, of of the conference but if they stay healthy like i said i think this could be a top three basketball team in 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 the west but yeah i feel like having kcp be that guy i feel like that's a little bit too have a high, high expectation for him um but who knows maybe he'll freaking ball out and be one of the best players in the nba we'll see yeah um Trade in just your thoughts on Denver. Um, they need to get better defensively. Um, they're pretty pretty atrocious on the defensive end. But um, you know, your your I guess your you know your thoughts on on Denver, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter, and his health health stuff. Uh, I mean, besides what the, what's already been talked about this team, I mean, I I, I don't I, I'm kind of confused too. I don't know what to expect here. Uh, I you know I think some people are putting a championship or bust label on these guys. It's not like the Nets that I talked about last week. It's not. Um, I just think they're you know they have a young they have a younger core. They're all under thirty. They're 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 signed for a while. Um, I think that you know it, it, it's just going to be interesting to see how you know how all these players work together on under a full season. We know Jokic will get his. That's not a problem. It's just how is everyone else going to fit? And can you make a stride or can you at least stay where you are? You know, uh, Tyler seems to think that they could they could see improvement. James doesn't. So and I think that that's where all of us are. Like, they, it, you know, we, it's a 50-50 fl- coin flip with this team. We don't know what we're going to get. Uh, so 
I don't really have anything else besides that. I mean, I, I, I don't know what to think of this team. Yeah, this, this feels like one of the, one of the, you know, the best team we've kind of talked about so far in, in either conference really. And there's a lot of question marks surrounding it. I mean, you know, last year was how far can Jokic take them um, update? Not, not that far in the playoffs um, with a better supporting staff. Maybe they'll go on a huge run and they'll, surprise us all or it would not surprise me if they fizzled out again in the first round or even in this in a play-in tournament so um you know we'll have to see um that's it for those mid teams um i won't be here next week so we'll have to talk about the upper echelon teams in a couple of weeks um but those will, those ones will be more fun because they're good and you know we've been talking about some poop teams lately and some mid teams so that'll be fun yes it's it will be fun when we get back on that um, we will miss you next week, um, Alex, but, um, you know, I look forward to, to, to talking more basketball in a couple of weeks. Um, thanks again. When we come back, we're going to talk about the final division in football as James rounds out his season previews. And we're back. James, how excited are you to be finally done with the season previews? You just you just answered this, uh, answered this question. You're going to answer it again live on this podcast. How excited are you to be done with the NFL season previews? Oh, my God. So pumped. <laughs> <laughs> like, a lot. Doing this much research every single time sucks. It takes me like <laughs> an hour and a half to go through all these for four teams. Rough. Just to ask you guys like two questions where you answer it for like two seconds. It's like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> <laughs> yep. We're going to start off with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Last season, 3-14. and 14. This season, who knows? Urban Meyer is gone and Doug Peterson is in. Tyler knows who this is because Doug Peterson was the head coach that won a Super Bowl for the Eagles way back in the day when Tyler's favorite team was the Eagles, and now it's just the Chargers. <laughs> they had the first overall pick, and they picked Trayvon Walker. This offseason, they gained guard Brandon Sheriff from the Commanders, cornerback Darius Williams from the Rams, wide receiver Christian Cook from Arizona, and they lost linebacker Miles Jack to Pittsburgh and guard Andrew Norwell to the Commanders. They pretty much have traded their God spots there. Over-under is set at 6.5. Trade in over or under? I'm going over, man. I think the noise behind Urban Meyer is gone. I think that, I think that um, you know, the, the new coach is going to kind of come in and, and settle things down, and um, I like their picks. I think that Trevor Lawrence is actually going to take a little bit of a step. I, I think this team can get seven wins. Oh, that, that's a huge up. Seven wins. Tyler, what do you got? I got under. I'm not quite as confident with the changes they make, but they'll definitely be better. I agree, trading like definitely having Urban Meyer there is only going to be a positive thing. Uh, love uh, Coach Peterson, obviously, from a you know a former Eagles head coach that won a Super Bowl. I have nothing but good things to say about him. I think he's a great head coach. He'll definitely make this team better. I, I said I think the young talent with the draft picks are going to be good. Hopefully Trevor Lawrence takes a step forward. We'll see. Um, but I'm not super confident in that. Uh, so I'm going to go under for them. I'm going to go six wins. And Alex. Uh, exactly six and a half wins. Like they said, wow. somehow they're going to get a half. I don't know. I'm so high. I'm going to go. I'm going to go over. I'll go seven wins. I don't love, love it, but um, I think what Traden said, you know, no urban Meyer, get him out of there. That will help. I think Doug Peterson, you know, is a, is a, you know, very capable head coach in the NFL. Um, he's also got his, you know, starting running back, who I'm sure you will talk about in a little bit back, which will also help Trevor Lawrence. And, uh, you know, the people he's throwing to have gotten better. 
um, than they were. So hopefully, you know, the Jags can be a little bit better than they were last year. Moving on to fantasy, quarterback Trevor Lawrence, quarterback 17, ADP 146. Last season, 3,641 yards, 12 touchdowns with 17 interceptions. Alex, will having a new coaching staff in Doug Peterson help improve his fantasy numbers as a QB, or will he be outside the top 20? I think it will help. Um, you know, I, I obviously there was a lot going on in Jacksonville. We just talked about it last year. Um, I think this, obviously this Doug Peterson made Carson Wentz pretty good. And we've, we've, we have, we have had our thoughts about Carson Wentz in the past, but when Doug Peterson was there and Carson Wentz and him were getting along, he was incredible. So maybe they can work some magic. Um, obviously Trevor Lawrence has proven in every other step in his career that he is a very good quarterback. Um, I, I think he will improve. Moving on to the running back room, we have Travis Etienne and James Robinson. Travis Etienne, running back 19, ADP 50. Very highly drafted last season, but he missed all of last season with a Liz Frank fracture, or as Alec likes to call it, the Listerine fracture. Running back James Robinson, on the other hand, been pretty steady. Running back 38, ADP is 127. He tore his Achilles late last season, but reports have him ready to play this the season opener against Washington. That's awesome. Good for him. Nobody really knows who gets a book of the playing time here. You got James Robinson, who has been a fantasy just monster recently because he's just so good at what he does. Or Travis Etienne, the rookie. Traden, who would you rather have? Etienne in the sixth round or James Robinson in round 13? I'm taking James Robinson in, in number 13 simply because I know what I'm I, more than likely I'm going to get some kind of floor with him i know you're not gonna you know we don't know who the bulk of the uh the the work's gonna go to but with with the way james robinson had been playing you got to think that he's gonna get a little bit of the uh the nod especially if this is a team that's looking to make steps um i'm just picking him based on value why does he were christian kurt new guy from arizona why does he were 35 adp 90 in his three or four seasons in the nfl he has never gone past a thousand yards receiving tyler is this the year Sure. I'll say, yeah. I mean, why not? He goes from a team where he was definitely not the, 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 the top target moving to a team where he arguably is, um, or certainly one of the, one of the top two for sure. Um, hopefully, like I said, with the new coaching change, we get better play out of uh, Lawrence. And uh, I think a thousand yards is definitely a reasonable goal for him this year. He's going as wide as he 35. Like I'd mentioned, is he going to be fantasy relevant this season? Yes. As a flex. So he's going to be the type top 30, top 25 wide receiver. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Okay. All right. Moving on to the Houston Texans last season, four and 13, and another shit team with another coaching change. They have a new coach in Lovey Smith. They gained cornerback Stevie Nelson from Philadelphia, defensive end Jerry Hughes from Buffalo, and guard AJ Can from Jacksonville. They did lose Deshaun Watson via trade. Everybody knows that. And safety Justin Reed to Kansas City. Their over under is set at 4.5. Tyler, over or under? Under. Uh, like I said, another team that I think similar to the Jaguars that are kind of turning the page from a lot of things that happened off the field. Hopefully that turns them in a better direction. I think there'll be a better vibe overall to this team this year, but they still got a long ways to go until they're going to be winning a lot of football games. Uh, so I, so, so I got them at four wins. Alex. Uh, just ditto. <laughs> uh, they have some interesting pieces, but yeah, they've got a long way to go. Um, I mean, 
this is a pretty shit division, so maybe they can get like one more, but I don't have a whole lot of faith in them. So I'm also going to say four wins. And then trading. I'm hammering the under. <laughs> um, they, I, I just don't think that this team, you know, this team's going through a rebuild. I think that's the reality of it. They have the fifth hardest schedule according to, uh, according to um, a poll uh, based on their, based on their win uh, opponents, win totals from last year, or I guess win total projections. Uh, more, more of their winnable games are even on the road, that which makes it even harder. So I, I just think this team is is due for a very tough season, but that's part of a rebuild situation. Moving on to fantasy here, we have quarterback Davis Mills. Quarterback 124. Yeah, you heard that right. 124. If you do the math, there's 32 teams in the NFL, and each team will have two to three quarterbacks, which puts you at, what, 96? And yet he's quarterback 124. Honestly, probably the worst person we've ever talked about on this podcast in terms of fantasy, but he is a star, so we got to talk about him. He ranked 28th in points per game in the 11 weeks that he played last season. Alex, <laughs> will he end up as a top 32 QB by the end of the season? I want to say yes, just based on, like, if he doesn't get hurt, some quarterback will get hurt. That's just an inevitable factor. And like you would think that he would just eventually put up enough numbers to just sort of be there. Uh, you know, I don't know a whole bunch about you, Mr. Mills. I hope you were a nice guy, uh, but I will not be having you on my fantasy team. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anybody does at all. Running back Damian Pierce, running back 24, ADP 85. Rookie running back, guys. And nobody knew who this guy was until preseason, until week two or three when he ran against the 49ers and did really well. And from that point forward, his draft capital just skyrocketed. Like, honestly, he's gone from ADP like 180 to ADP 85. Insane. Um, Trayden, would you rather have him or Miles Sanders, who has picked three picks ahead of him? I'll take a... I'll, I'll take a gamble on this on Damian Pierce. I mean, you have Rex Burkhead behind who's, you know, he's solid, but he's not, he's nothing else really. This is a team Davis Mills is going to need to to move the ball on the ground. I mean, I, he doesn't have the greatest of, I mean, besides Brandon cooks, he, it's kind of it, what he has out, out in the, uh, uh, in terms of options. I think Damian Pierce is in for a big season. If he can stay healthy. I mean, this might be a perfect pickup at a, at a pretty cheap level. He can get Brandon cooks. Is next wide receiver 20 ADP 53. He's extremely underrated. He has a thousand plus yards and finished as a top 20 wide receiver in six of the last eight seasons. Tyler, do you have more confidence in Brandon Cooks or DK Metcalf? Oh, wow. Um, uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, okay, I'm gonna <laughs> go Metcalf um, just because I think. The quarterback plays maybe slightly. I already forgot the name of the Houston quarterback already. That's how much. I just, that's how irrelevant. General Mills. General Mills. General Mills. <laughs> that sounds like a cereal. It is a cereal. It is. That's the point. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, oh thinking my God, out, I'm thinking Tyler. out loud. I'm thinking yeah. out loud as we're doing this shit. Oh my. <laughs> Next question. Is <laughs> that DK Metcalf final answer? Yeah. All right, locking it in. DK Metcalf. I would have put picked Brandon Cooks because he's just that much better. Moving on to the Indianapolis Colts. Here you go, Matt. Last season, nine and eight, they gained quarterback Matt Ryan, defensive end Yannick Ngakwe, and cornerback Stephon Gilmore while losing quarterback Carson Wentz, who we talked about earlier, and cornerback Rock Yasin. What a name. Over under 9.5. Alex, over under. 
I'm going over. Uh, you know, Matt Ryan is a veteran. We've seen him be an elite quarterback in the past. Um, you know, and he still had like a upper 60s completion percentage last year on a terrible Falcons team. So you would think that they would be, you know, with the with the weapons he has, um, they'd be better. I'm gonna go 10 and seven for the Colts. Um, our buddy Matt will appreciate this. I have no comment. Oh, okay. Uh weird. Tyler, <laughs> did you repeat the question? I you you cut out when you were saying it. Nine point five over under. Over over for the Colts. Um, I like the Colts at, at eleven wins this year. I think the division is not very good. Um, I think their quarterback play is definitely better. Um, they, they definitely improved there. Matt Ryan, yeah, is getting older, but I think he's still a great quarterback. I think with the team he's on, he's he he he's gonna have a good year. So I got eleven wins. Moving on to fantasy. Matt Ryan, QB 22, ADP 166. Alex, we just you just talked about how much better it is to have Matt Ryan on the Colts. Does he deserve to be undrafted? Um, I think he's probably undrafted because of who lines up behind him, um, which you would assume would take some, some points away from him. Also, Matt Ryan is slow AF, so he has nothing going on with his legs. He doesn't really feel like he should be undrafted, Um I mean, I could see him being like the last pick um, your, or like your backup quarterback and, you you know, just make sure he's not on the same buy as whatever your quarterback is. Yeah, Jose, if you listen to that, don't pick people on the same buy for your entire team, you idiot. Jonathan Taylor, running back one, ADP is 1.5. Tyler, I think I know the answer to this question because I was with you in a draft yesterday, but would you rather have CMC or jo- Jonathan Taylor in a redraft number one overall? Yeah, definitely Jonathan Taylor coming off the season he's had. Um, I've talked about McCaffrey before, his, his injury his, his history. Just it, it is a concern for me. I also just think that Taylor is really the only running option. The Colts, not the only running, but they're definitely their primary running option. So a lot of that game is going to go through him. So I think Jonathan Taylor here is, I think he's just the best pick overall. Michael Pittman is next. Wide receiver 15, ADP is 43. Trading with Matt Ryan at the helm and no longer Carson Wentz. What are your predictions for Michael Pittman and how his season progresses? Yeah. Last season, 1,082 yards and six touchdowns. Yeah, um, and I think I think now that you have a, a grown man and a real like not little baby as your uh, as your quarterback, and a guy who can sling, I think I think you're only you're only going to go up. I think I think we're going to see a uh, I think we're going to see 1,300 yards from this guy, and I think I'm actually going to give him two more touchdowns. I'm going to give him eight. Wow, I mean those stats put him in the top what top eight of wide receivers. So, wow, this is going to be a real fantasy steal. If you can get him a top eight wide receiver, 43 fantasy steal. And the last team we're going to talk about Tennessee Titans last season, 12 and five, they gained Austin Hooper and Robert Woods, who is coming off an ACL tear from the Rams. They did lose AJ Brown to a trade to Philadelphia, which trading Tyler hates. Now they lost Julio Jones and guard Roger Saffold over under set at 9.5. Tyler, over or under? Under. Uh, I don't think that the Titans will be able to replace the stars that they lost. Um, I don't – I feel like this team is not going to – it's going to be kind of a weird setback year. I think they're going to have good years ahead of them. But I just think coming in this year, there's just they, – they, they lost too much. They didn't really replace it. I got under for the Titans eight wins this year. Trading. I, I, you know, I actually have them going over I, I only just simply because I think that they, they have a – you know, they, they have a def- 
decent enough offense. I know Ryan Hanhill's a, a question mark, but you do have Derrick Henry. Robert Woods is a solid one, uh, wide receiver. Uh, and then you have Austin Hooper as a tight end. He's not fantastic, but he's there. Um, I, I, I like to think this team can, can squeeze out eight, especially in their division. And then Alex. I've got them under. Um, unfortunately, Derrick Henry has hit that magical running back age number, which is now 28. It's not even 30 anymore. It's now 28. He, we saw him get hurt last year. Um, obviously, they've lost a lot. This kind of just feels like a, like a lost season for the Titans. So I've got him at eight and nine. Talking about fantasy next, Ryan Tannehill, QB 24, ADP 168. Traden, we're talking about a bunch of undrafted guys here, but would you rather have Tannehill or Jameis Winston? I like Jameis Winston, honestly, and that's surprising that I'm saying that. Um, it's just you have you have Derrick Henry as your running guy, so you know you're not going to get any mobility on the, on the back end. Ryan Tannehill does not do very much with his legs, especially when you have that Mack truck um, behind you. <laughs> Ryan T- Tannehill has a little, I'm sorry. Uh, James Winston just has a little bit more. Um, there, 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 there. Cool. Derrick Henry running back for ADP six, Tyler Austin Eckler at five or Derrick Henry at six. Austin Eckler at five for sure. I, I agree. Just on with that, kind of what Alex was saying on the, on the age factor. I like Eckler. Uh, he had a great year last year. I think that's only to be better there in Los Angeles. Um, I guess said nothing against Henry, but in that particular case, I'm definitely picking Eckler. And then in the wide receiver room, we got wide receiver Traylon Bricks and wide receiver Robert Woods. Traylon Bricks is going at 116, and Robert Woods is going at 132. Alex, who would you rather have? Uh, Bobby Trees. Um, I think he could kind of end up being the Brandon Cooks to the Titans um, as kind of like the only option sort of situation. Um, and it, you know, it's been a while since his surgery, if he comes off healthy, like Robert Woods has proven in the past that he can be, um, you know, a very viable fantasy option with Jared Goff as quarterback. So why can't he do it with Ryan Tannehill? And ladies and gentlemen, we're done with all the fantasy previews. Yes. We're done with all the fantasy previews. Let's go. Uh, James, I just want to say regarding the Colts, not no disrespect to your section. The last two years I have hyped up the, uh, the Colts. They have absolutely uh shoved it down my shoved it down my throat and i've kind of disappointed our best friend matt so i decided to keep my mouth shut completely no no going for no going against with hopes that maybe they can have actually a season that i hope that they can have so it wasn't a disrespect to you no disrespect to your section you just kind of said what you wanted to say (laughs) oh i didn't say i didn't say one way or another i hope they're good i just i'm not going to say whether they're going to be good or not i just hope they're good there's a difference. Um, there's a huge difference. Um, and uh, with that, we are going to be starting with the NFL season on Thursday with none other than one of the best matchups to start up to kick off the season. Rams take on the uh, the, the Buffalo Bills, two of the best teams in the NFL. Um, this is going to be such a fun, uh, such a fun opening night. Um, but we're, before that, we're going to finish this podcast. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Tyler's going to take us through some more MLBO dams. And we're back. Tyler, we are just weeks away from MLB postseason, but we have a lot to talk about. There's, a, there's quite a quite a jockeying for position here. Um, some divisions are actually surprisingly a lot closer than even I expected until you um, kind of brought up our topics of discussion. Why don't you take it away? Yeah, let's talk about it. Oh, damn. Uh, let's all first, let's go, we're gonna go through our, our two home run watch updates. Uh, Albert Pujols, he hit number 695 uh, yesterday or two days ago. 
Um, so he is now five away from getting that magic 700. He is one away from tying a rod, his record. Um, so I think Alex and I were talking about this at the very least, at least be a rod because you know, we don't like a rod. Um, and then Aaron judge has been on a tear. He's up to 54 home runs. Uh, so it's, it's looking pretty good. Like he's going to get to 60, but like I said, you know, things can stale out. You never know, but he's at 54. Um, so both those guys trajectory wise are looking like they just might sneak it out. Um, so we'll keep an eye on those guys for you. Um, but let's get to our, Oh damn moments of the week. My first one, Zach gallon. Uh, it's been kind of a pretty shitty year for the diamondbacks, but lately they've actually been playing pretty decent. A lot of it due to their pitching, uh, Zach gallon, kind of one of the more underrated starting pitchers in baseball. He's currently uh, on a really great scoreless inning streak. He's currently at 41 and a third innings scoreless. He's had six straight starts of zero runs. Um, so he, he, we love to see these kind of streaks, hitting streaks, scoreless inning streaks um, in, in baseball. The MLB record is 59 set by the great Oral Hershiser. Um, so he's still got a little ways to go to break the MLB record. But nonetheless, 41 and a third is very, very impressive. You would like to kind of see it maybe get to 50, and that's when we're really going to be kind of watching if, if he could possibly get that record. Um, so what do you guys think? How long can this go? Obviously, the Diamondbacks, um, you know, not, 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 not the best team, but when you got one individual up there that's absolutely killing it, like Zach Gallon is, you never know if he can make a run for it. So, uh, James, what do you got? He's got a max of three more innings. The reason I say that is because he's projected to go pitch against the Dodgers next time up. Mm-hmm. And there's no way that you're going to get through that lineup one time without getting hit off by the Dodgers. So we'll max three more innings. Yeah, that is an unfortunate next uh, matchup there. But Alex, what do you think? Um, shout out to Oral and shout out to your mom, who uh, <laughs> unless things have changed, Oral is still your mom's favorite player. Yep. Um, yeah, I think I would be intrigued to see it keep going. Um, I Maybe he gets to like 45, 46. Um, is their next is their next matchup at Dodger Stadium or is it in yes. Arizona? No, it's at. I'm sorry, it's at Arizona. I'm sorry. It's in the desert. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe gets through like, maybe gets through the lineup once, and then so yeah, maybe another three or four innings. Um, if 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 he can, okay, I'll say this: if he holds the Dodgers scoreless in this outing, he breaks the record. All right. That's like that. The, the um, problem is, is that he'll be back against the Dodgers in LA. Oh, it was a big, it was a big move trading. You know, we'll just, you never know. <laughs> never know. Trade in. Do you agree? Nah, fuck the Dodgers. He's getting 50. Fuck the Dodgers. Wow. Wow. And I'm completely wrong. I know I'm wrong. I just hope he does. Just, just, I, just, I think it'd be awesome. And it's against the Dodgers. Like, like, it's like the best. It's like having your cake and eating it too. Got it. I would love it if just first pitch Mookie Betts takes him deep. <laughs> first pitch. No, I know I'm going to get a text like, saying, fuck you, trade. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be great. All right. Yeah. So, guys, definitely keep an eye on that. Uh, we'll see how, how, how Zach Gallen does. Um, but, yeah, definitely a tough bill against the Dodgers. I don't think he'll break Oral's record because Oral's just the best. I mean, love him, and he's always going to have that record forever. Uh, but moving on to my next Odam moment, we Jaden mentioned the divisions. There's been, there's probably three of them that I would say are definitely. Uh, up for grabs and one of them which I think is probably the the most intriguing one is the National League East you got two top dogs the National League fighting out for the NL East division the Mets and the Braves Uh, as of today on September 6th the New York Mets have a one game lead on the Braves 
Um, unfortunately, these teams only meet one more time uh, in Atlanta, uh, September 30th through October 2nd. So the second to last series of the season, these teams will meet. So hopefully at that time, we'll have, you know, a really close race like it is right now. Um, we'll see what happens, but definitely one of the most intriguing ones, just because of the teams that are in it. The American League Central is also a really close race, but just teams that aren't as good, not as intriguing, but you got two heavyweight National League teams going at it. So what do you guys think? Who do you think comes out on top? The Mets have been holding on to that lead pretty much all season, and the Braves, just like they did last year, coming on strong the, 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 the second half of the season. Uh, Trading, who do you got as winning the National League East? Yeah, um, I hate to be that guy, Tyler, but as of right now, they're actually up by a half a game. And if and if the Braves continue their win because because the Mets lost to the Pirates just now, yeah. it would be tied. So there you um, go. Um, that's quite interesting. Um, you know what? Just given the fact that we're just Jacob Degrom is tr- is trying to put this team on his back, and he can only pitch like once a week, right? It's not again enough, and, and Atlanta is kind of firing on all cylinders. I I actually think that the Braves have a chance to take over the uh, the the division, and I can't believe I'm saying that because I've been so for the Mets all season. I've I've said on this podcast week after week after week. I still think that they're that when you know when they're all well rounded, I think they're the team to um, you know they're the team to beat in the in the East, but. It's not looking good right now, especially with the way Atlanta has just been kind of mowing over teams um, as of late. James, we've kind of seen this story before. The Braves making a, a strong second half push, the Mets doing Mets things and disappointing everybody. Do you think that that's how the season will play out or do you see the Mets holding on? I really see the Mets holding on. I looked at the rest of the games for the rest of the season that each team has to play and the Mets have it way easier. <laughs> they play like Miami, the Cubs. A's, Washington, the hardest team they're going to have to play outside of the Braves is going to be the Milwaukee Brewers. That's the hardest team they have to play for one four-game series. The Braves, on the other hand, have to play Philly, eight, which is a really great team. They got to play in for two four-game series. That's eight hard-fought games right there, as opposed to the Mets, who have probably four hard-fought games for the rest of the season until they play the Braves. And we're going to talk about this later, but uh, t- trading alluded to DeGrom putting the team on his back pitching-wise. Scherzer is going to be back soon. Scherzer is feeling fine. Now you have two guys who are able to do that and put the team on their back to do so. Like, when you have those two guys back and pitching, DeGrom is doing great, and then Scherzer is going to be back and be fine. Like, I, there's no doubt in my mind that the Mets still have enough in the gas tank to clinch the number one overall seed in the NL East. I like that. Uh, Alex, do you agree or disagree? I disagree. Um, the Mets have been playing down to their opponents lately. They just lost two out of three to the Nationals. They just lost tonight to the Pirates. Max Scherzer said, I'm hurt, not injured, whatever the fuck that means. Uh, Max, buddy, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, you know, sometimes you kind of look at, like, James, you look at the strength of schedule, but, like, you know that these teams, the A's, the Nationals, the Marlins, like they want to beat up on the Mets. Everyone's been talking about the Mets all year. Steve Cohen won't stop tweeting about how great the Mets are. And he's got all his money and blah, 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 blah. Nobody cares. Like you sometimes, and like the Brewers, for instance, like they're fighting to get in the playoffs. They're going to be playing as hard as they want, as hard, hard as they can to try to fight and claw their way back in. So like, and unfortunately, like it's the Mets. This is what they do. They Mets it up every year. We talked about this like 
a month ago, the Mets had a seven and a half game lead. They just won three out of four from Atlanta, I think in Atlanta. And we're like, boom, they did it. The Mets finally did it. And trade-in was like, the Mets didn't fuck it up. Well, they're going to be tied at the end of tonight. So I think the break <laughs> on this run, I think they're going to do it. Strength of schedule is obviously important, but like sometimes like those teams that are down, like they want to be a spoiler. Like they would love to have the Mets not win the division. Yeah, the, the strength of schedule definitely favors the Mets, as James mentioned. He's, that's a very good point that James made. Definitely playing a lot lesser teams. But, you know, like I said, that's baseball sometimes. Is sometimes you do play down a competition, and a lot of it's momentum because you're playing every day. It's hard to break those cycles sometimes. Um, I kind of agree with where Trade and Alex are going just because of, you know, history and just kind of how those things kind of tend to re- repeat themselves. Braves are playing very, very well. The Mets, are, I think, are just hanging on a little bit too much. But we'll see what happens. I mean, I, I like this fair, division I think it is lot. fair to say the the end of September and those uh, – so, so I guess what is it? September uh, 28th through the um, October 2nd, those four games is probably the divisions, like, to see yeah. who, who takes And I, I hope that's where we end up, you know, in, in, a, in about a month's time or so. I want to see, hopefully they're tied going into that series. That'd be super fun to watch. You love those division races at the end. Um, so hopefully that's what we get. Um, and that'll be just the best team wins. Um, unfortunately, they play three more games after that. So I, I wish that ended the season. That'd be even better. But um, hopefully we get a really close race for these two teams. I just, I, I, I love tight division races. It always makes it fun. Um, so moving on to my last oh damn moments. There's been a few very important starting pitchers um, that I've gone down with, with injuries lately. Um, so I got three of them, um, and we're going to rank them. We're going to have all, all, all the boys kind of rank them in terms of the most concerned they are about the injury to the least concerned they are about the injury. So the three pitchers we're talking about is Justin Verlander having an amazing season, probably the front runner for the AL Cy Young. Uh, he went down for a, with, a, with a calf injury, uh, so he's been out for the last week or so. He's still not ready to come back yet. Um, obviously a non-arm injury for a pitcher, you're usually not too concerned about that, but still he is getting up there with age. Nonetheless, you still have to use that calf muscle to pitch. So, uh, still very, still very important. So that's, that's number one is Justin Verlander's calf. Number two, as we talked about a little bit earlier is Max Scherzer, uh, weird injury, not really sure what to make of it. Uh, he came out with left side fatigue because he's just tired. Just wasn't feeling hundred percent either way. It, it's, it's landed him on, on the IL. Uh, he did have a left oblique injury that sidelined him for, I think it was about six or seven weeks earlier in the season. So that certainly is a concern just with the history he's had recently. Um, but he is expected to make his, his next start on Wednesday tomorrow, I believe, is was the last update I, I, I had on him. And then the third one I got is uh, Tony Gonsolin. Um, obviously, he's been the best pitcher on the Dodgers pitching staff, which says a lot. Uh, he's, he, he went down with a forearm injury uh mri came back clean he had no issues there mostly just kind of soreness um going on with the forearm but obviously pitcher's forearm that's a very important and kind of a red flag there and for the dodgers who already lost walker bueller to the season with with his forearm injury certainly a uh, red flag there for the dodgers pitching staff but of these three rank them from most concerned to least concerned alex what do you got okay i have a question before i answer I'm looking up Justin Verlander's injury. You AT people, tell me what this means. Uh, the MRI revealed a facial, facial 
disruption, but no muscle fiber disruption. What the fuck does that mean? You're talking about it's uh, fascial is I think the way yeah. I would pronounce that. Fascial. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. So fascia, pretty much has inflammation, inflammation. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So it's not the actual muscle fibers. It's kind of just the, the area around the muscle. It, yeah. It's, it's facial. Proper, yeah. Facial. <laughs> Whatever. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, what I Mr. never promised to be a doctor. Um, yeah. okay. I'm going to go. Okay, because Gonsolin had a second MRI the other day and he's already throwing from like 90 to 150 feet or whatever and should be going on the mound pretty soon. I'm going to put him at the bottom. Um, I think he's also the youngest by about a decade between these other two guys. So I'm, I'm going to put a little bit of youth. He, you know, this is the most innings he's ever thrown, but like he's young, so he'll be fine. I'm going to go Gonsolin at the bottom, Scherzer in the middle, this oblique fatigue thing kind of weirds me out, but he seems to be fine. And he's the only one that's not, should not be going on the IL. And then even after whatever we just talked about, Verlander is going to be on the top for me, um, especially because it's his right calf, um, you know, as a right-handed pitcher, that's the one that then you push off on the mound off the rubber with. Um, so if, even if that's like a little iffy, like you really need your lower half, you really need that drive with your, you know, your right leg and your right calf. So, I'm going to put Verlander at the top. He's the oldest. He just, he's the one coming off of the most, you know, just coming off of TJ. Obviously that's different parts of the body, but um, so I'm going to go Verlander. I'm the most worried about Scherzer and then Gonsolin. All right, James, what do you got? Uh, the least worried about I'm Scherzer. He's feeling fine. He's not injured. He's just hurt. AKA I was tired. I want to get out the game, man. I couldn't do no more. Second Bitch. medium concern. I have Verlander. So this is completely different from Alex's. The reason being here is that every report that I'm reading is saying that he's not going to come off IL when he's first available on September 13th, but he's looking like he's going to come off three to four days after that, which doesn't warrant a longer IL stint, but it just means that, yo, he's almost there. He's, he's, almost, he's right there. He's not going to be all the way yet, but that's fine. You can still power through that. And then Gonsolin is my last one because the reports I'm reading, which I guess is different than Alex, but is the same in the fact that he's not mound ready yet. And that's the most concerning part for me is the fact that he's not mound ready yet. He's throwing 50 or 90 feet right now. But what you, the prerequisite from, for throwing on the mound is throwing at 150 feet, and he's not there yet. His kind of diagnosis or prognosis right now is looking mid to late September. And that's going to be hard for him to work up and like get those decent amount of innings to make him a viable, like every series playoff starter. If you're not worked up to your full potential just yet. So I have Scherzer as least concerned Verlander as medium and Gonsolin as most concerned. All right. Trading. What's your list looking like? Um, I'm going to put most concerned uh, Verlander. Uh, just, I think it's the age. I think it's, um, you know, that that's the factor for me. Um, I'm going to say medium, it would be um, uh, Gonsolin. Um, it sounds like it's a little bit more serious than than what Alex says, but I just think that his age is going to kind of help him come back sooner than later. So I kind of split the split the middle between these two. And then Max Scherzer, I think, is the, is the least of my worries. I think he was just a bitch. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> He's just a little tired. He's just a little tired. He's a little tired and, um, you know, that in, you know, Maybe he'll be nice and rested for uh for the Mets um strive to maintain their spot in the division. 
Yeah, I think the Scherzer injury is definitely interesting. We saw something kind of similar to this when he was with the Dodgers last year, and he kind of had that fatigue issue towards the end of the season. The only thing that really concerns that we assure, like the particular injury isn't concerning, but I think just with the, the pattern that we've seen from Scherzer the last couple of years, I think he's just getting up there in age. He's had a lot of innings on that arm. Uh, I think just performance-wise in the postseason, that might become an issue. He definitely will be starting the postseason. I'm not too worried about that, but it'll be interesting to see kind of in these later months where he, in, in, the, in the recent history, he's kind of complained and kind of not been on top of his game. Just, I think he just put a lot of innings on that arm. He's getting up there. So that's a little bit concerning, but I'm also going to put him on the bottom of my list in terms of these particular injuries. Uh, sounds like he's going to start again on Wednesday, but something to definitely keep an eye on, uh, especially when it comes to the postseason. Like I'd, I'd be curious to see how they're going to manage him. Maybe fewer innings in kind of the last month of the year, but also they're in a division race. So that's going to be a very interesting uh, pitcher to, to watch moving forward. Uh, number two, I have, or, uh, number two, I have Gonsal in. Uh, just because location with the forearm, like that's never a great place to have an injury, but it seems like everything's clean. I think the Dodgers are just being ultra conservative with his uh, progression. I think, I think they want him feeling 100%, um, which makes sense. I think they need to be careful. I think with the, with the Dodgers pitching staff, um, losing Bueller is huge. I think they need him to be 100% feeling great heading into October. And then my number one, I agree with Traden and um, Alex is, is, is Verlander. Uh, you know, a calf injury doesn't seem like a big deal, but I think with the push off leg, that's huge. That's where all your power comes from. Verlander, especially at that age, he's going to need that, those mechanics. And he, he has some of the sweetest pitching mechanics I've, I've ever seen. And a lot of that comes from the lower half. So the fact that he's still throwing upper nineties at, at, at his age, that's not all just arm. That's a ton of the leg. So we'll see how that affects his velocity. We'll see how that affects his uh, uh, effectiveness. I think that can't be understated. Um, especially with the Astros, I think they're going to be, you know, the favorite to come out of the American league, but not having your Cy Young pitcher at hundred percent in October is going to be an issue. Um, so for me, I think that's a concern, my, my top concern. So definitely all these, something to keep an eye on health is a big deal when we get into October. So we'll see if these guys get right. Maybe they'll all be perfectly fine. Maybe they all won't be, we'll see what happens, but, uh, we'll definitely keep an eye on those guys heading down down as we get to the last month but yeah guys we're in the last uh, month of, of, the, of the regular season it's getting very exciting um and soon we'll be talking about october baseball and it's gonna be the best time of year so hopefully you guys are getting ready for that but in the meantime keep an eye on those 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 home run guys pools and uh and uh, judge those those division races uh some some scoreless inning streaks a lot of fun going on in baseball right now Lots of fun indeed. Thank you very much, Tyler, for that. Uh, we're just a few weeks away from the from the postseason, and we'll be watching all the the home run the the home run uh, watch that we have going on. These injuries, as well as the uh, divisional races, which are turning out to be quite tight in some areas. Um, that's going to do it for this podcast. Uh, this it we have a fun week this week. Uh, we have football kicking off. Um, we're six weeks away exactly from the NBA uh, tipping off. So uh, you know, a lot of teams are going to start to. I think we're going to be start seeing uh, preseason pretty soon. Um, so catch that uh, hockey training camps full, full on. So, uh, you know, we, we have, we have a fun October is always, uh, you know, the end of September and the end October is always the fun part of sports. Um, all of them are kind of run at the same time. Uh, and, you know, we have playoff baseball, we have <laughs> football just kicking off. So stay tuned. Um, we have a lot to talk about. Come down and stretch. Uh, Alex, we'll miss you next week. We'll look forward to welcoming back the week after. Um, but 
that's all we got this week. Um, check us out on all of our uh, social media. Check it out. Check us. Check out our uh, our power rankings for the for the MLB power rankings for the other sports. Maybe it'll be coming in a, in a few weeks here. Or maybe we'll call it five six weeks, just a week before the season starts. Um, we hope you guys have a have have a fantastic week and uh, have fun.